Hello, and welcome to the Calvary Chapel Southeast Podcast. Thank you for joining us for our summer series titled, When God's People Pray. Being consistent in prayer is a struggle for many believers, yet the Bible makes it clear that the church should be called a house of prayer. Jesus promises to do a powerful work in and through us if we would simply humble ourselves and seek his face. That's what this series is all about. Grab your Bibles and let's jump in. We are going through a series that um, was inspired by Ryan. Uh, he, if you listen to the first message, you'll hear him talk about kind of how this was birthed. And um, I'm going to paraphrase it. I probably am going to do a poor job at it because it's a, it's a really good story. Um, but he was driving on a, on a family vacation, and he went uh, down I-5, and he was praying while he was driving. And so, I mean, I think that's the first mistake for me is that I usually am not praying when I'm driving. I'm just kind of vegging out, listening to music. But, of course, our pastor's praying, and so when he's driving down to Disneyland, that's a lot of prayer time. So... <laughs> But he was praying over kind of what the church was going to look like over the next 30 years. And um, I, again, I'm going to paraphrase it. It's not going to be even close to how he said it. But the whole point, the whole gist of it was that um, he has this fire that was ignited over the last 30 years. And, and he has a choice. He can either try to throw logs on this fire and continue with it. Or he can ask the Holy Spirit to breathe a fresh wind into this body. And, and that wind is going to make those coals burn hotter and hotter. And, and then after that season, he's then able to start building another fire. And so um, from that was birthed the thought or the idea of this series of praying together as a body and having a, having a series on prayer. And so um, obviously what we're calling it is, um, you know, uh, gee, I don't even know what we're calling it because I don't have my notes in front of me because uh, is it, there we go. When God's people pray. And so <laughs> that's our hope today is that as we share these messages, as we um, come together, it isn't just, you know, great food, great fellowship, and then a guy up here talking for 25, 30 minutes. It's, it really impacts our heart. It changes um, the way we go about praying, the way we come before the throne of the Lord. And last week, Liam he shared on obedience in prayer. And, and when God speaks to your heart in your prayer, do you obey? And he, he had an amazing message last week. And again, I, I point you back to the website because he did such a great job in that message. And one of the things that it really um, spoke to me on was that my heart is more important to the Lord than the things that I do. And so it's one thing that we can, you know, be busy for Christ. It's another when we take the time that maybe we'd be doing uh, things so that we would be accepted by the Lord and spend that time in prayer. And then the, the obedience is the outpouring of that heart for the Lord. When, when we see what the Lord is doing in our lives and, and as we pray through that, then we desire that obedience and so this week I've been given the, um, the joy, the task, the, the calling, the assignment, whatever you want to call it, of intercessory prayer. And so if you've been around the church a while and you've prayed for one person, then you are an intercessor. So sometimes I think that we get hung up on titles 
and uh, intercessory prayer, you know, we think that it's a gifting, and so, you know, you go to the intercessors, and, and they'll pray for you, but, but the reality is, is if you have prayed for anybody, then you are an intercessor, then you have done intercessory prayer. One of the things that um, I really struggle with, with, with prayer, is that um, I'm, I'll just be honest, I, I, don't, uh, I don't have a lot of time in my life, and when I do have it, if I'm going to pray, uh, I'm going to pray for me, right? I mean, like, you go before the Lord, and you're like, okay, Lord, I need this, and I need this, and I need this, and please help this guy, and do this, and do this. And, and honestly, um, you know, we pray because we think, okay, well, if, if I pray about things for me, then you know, there's a pretty good chance God's going to answer at least a couple of those. I might get some good stuff from the Lord, and then, you know, prayer time's over. I don't think I need to tell you guys, that's, that's not prayer. Um, that's definitely not intercessory prayer. And so over the years, I've kind of had to wrestle with what, what is prayer? You know, why do we pray? Why do we take that time and set it aside and, and pray for other people? You know, I, mean, I know uh, many of you in here, and, and you're all busy people. We all have our calendar scheduled from hour to hour to hour to hour, and then we go to bed. So, so why would we take that time, that precious time that the Lord has given us, and use it to, to go to the Lord on someone else's behalf. And I'm hoping that I can answer that a little bit tonight. And so when, I don't play cards, I don't go to uh, Nevada, I don't go to Las Vegas, I don't, I don't do any of that. So if this analogy is, is off, then you can correct me later. But I don't think that the dealer shows his hand, right? Like if you're at a card match or a card game, whatever they call it, is it a game? <laughs> A match, <laughs> yeah, card table. He, he's not going to show you his hand, right? Because he wants you to know at the end what, what happened. Like, look at that, you know, four aces or whatever. Well, tonight, and I know preaching is somewhat like that, where the message is laid out, and, and in the end, um, there's this kind of folding out of the cards, and you're kind of told, well, this is how it's laid out. And, and my heart tonight is that I'm going to do that first. I'm going to, I'm going to kind of give you the expectation first. And the reason I'm doing that is because I, I'm hoping that we can kind of think on some things as I'm speaking. And I was talking to a couple of people tonight. I think the Lord just completely blew up this message because I had about an hour's worth of stuff on my notes. And I'm like, i got to whittle this down. And then as I'm driving here... Uh, the whole intro changed, like everything changed. And, and then um, I was talking to Marianne, and she was really encouraging me, and she said, you know, you have it all here and here. You don't have to have it here. And if you really trust in the Holy Spirit, then whatever the Lord would have for you to say through the Spirit is going to be said. And so that's my heart in prayer, is sometimes we get caught up in this that we've got to know the right things to say, but the reality is, is when it comes to intercessory prayer, we pray what the Spirit has. And so the reason that I'm laying this out in advance is because I'm hoping that as we think about that and we think about what prayer looks like in our own lives, that we maybe have a couple of tools to hold on to first, and then as I share, um, you, maybe something will, will, will connect or resonate. So my heart is that you see that in, um, 
in intercessory prayer or prayer itself that um, sometimes the Holy Spirit's going to change things. Um, I'm hoping that as I share tonight that you see that sometimes God answers just long, diligent years of prayer. Sometimes he answers it in an instant. And so as we consider those things, intercessory prayer isn't about having a formula. It's not about every time we go to pray, it's going to be the same thing. It's going to be according to what the Holy Spirit guides us. And the other part of that is that as we intercede, we understand we're doing it for a reason. And the reason is, if we look at 1 Timothy 2, 5 5 and 6, it says, For there is one God and there is one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all, which is the testimony given at the proper time. So that word um, mediator there, in the original language, it is kind of like um, somebody who would be like the go-between, someone who's in the middle of maybe a discussion or who's mediating something. Um, it's, it's also the reconciler. And so what Paul is saying that as Christ intercedes um, to the Father on our behalf, he does it in prayer, but he also does it in his life. Christ interceded on our behalf, not just, he doesn't just intercede every moment of every day for us, but he did it with his life. And so as we consider us interceding for others, we think back to that event, and we think back to our own salvation, and we think back to what Christ has done for us, and that is a motivation for us to intercede for others. So, Intercessory prayer is something that we all can do. If we believe that the Holy Spirit fills the believer, then we all can intercede for others. And then when we understand that Christ has given his life for us, then intercessory prayer becomes a blessing rather than a burden. So if you look at Galatians 6.2, it says, Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. And then Hebrews 7.25 says, He is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. Hebrews verse, it says that he is able to save to the uttermost. And, and I always thought that word meant like to the, to the fullest um, ends of the universe. But it, but it really means that he saves forever. And so if we think about that and we think about the fact that Christ saves forever and then it says that he lives to make intercession for us, what that's telling us is that not only does he save us, but he's praying for us for our salvation. So as we are are saved, we are also being saved. And the blessing behind that is that, that that Christ is there praying on our behalf to keep us saved. And, and that, I mean, if that isn't something that gives us that, just that fire to pray for others, because, I mean, I want that in my life. I mean, I, I'm so grateful that the Lord is there praying on my behalf, keeping me for all eternity. 
So tonight I'm going to share three stories. One of them is going to be out of the book of Acts, and the other two are going to be out of my own personal life. They all have different outcomes, but they all were someone or others or other people interceding for someone else. So let's turn to the book of Acts, and before we do that, it'll be Acts 12, verses 6 through 9. I want to share this um, simple verse out of Matthew 26. 26.39, Jesus gives an example of praying. He says, And going a little further, he fell on his face and prayed, saying, My Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. And the reason I share that verse is because whether we're praying for ourselves or we're praying for others, the ultimate goal, I guess, in prayer is God's will. Even Jesus prayed for the Father's will. He didn't say, this is what I want, Lord, so if you could make this work out, that would be awesome. And I know for me, often I will think that um, I need to have this list of ideas or thoughts about another person and, and then I say, okay, Lord, here's, I'm going to pray these things, and I pray them, and I pray them, and I pray them, and then um, I'm, I realize, well, this is my list. This is what I want for this person. And Jesus is saying in this, or, or the, Jesus says, my father, if it be possible, let this cup pass, not as I will, but as you will. And so as we go through this again, I'm, I'm reminded that it isn't about us Intercessory prayer is about the will of God. So let's look at those verses in Acts 6 through 19. And I'm going to lay some groundwork here. I'm going to just summarize it real quick. We have the deliverance of Peter from prison. Um, He was, uh, so James, the brother of John, was killed by Herod. And uh, a lot of commentators say that the, the Jews were upset because they did it in secret. And so now Peter is going to be an example, and they are going to take him out, potentially, into the public, and that's when they're going to basically persecute him, kill him, to make a spectacle of him. And so as we read that, kind of keep that in mind. Herod was about to bring him out on that very night. Peter was sleeping between two soldiers bound with two chains, and sentries before the door were guarding the prison. And as I read this, um, remember, we're just wanting the story. So I'm not going to break it all down in any of that. It's just we're getting the story. So behold, an angel of the Lord stood next to him, and a light shone in the cell. He struck Peter on the side and woke him, saying, Get up quickly. And the chains fell off his hands, and the angel said to him, Dress yourself and put on your sandals. And he did so. And he said to him, wrap your cloak around you and follow me. And he went out and followed him. He did not know what was going to be done or if the angel was real, but thought he was seeing a vision. When they had passed the first and second guard, they came to an iron gate leading into the city. It opened for them on its own accord, and they went out and went along one street, and immediately the angel left him. So then as he goes, I'm just going to kind of summarize here. He goes back to um, the house of Mary, and John is there, and they were all gathered, and I think we all know the story, right? What were they doing? 
they were praying, right? And so he's, he's knocking on the gate, and he's like, it's me, it's Peter. And I think it's Dora or uh, Rhoda. Rhoda came up to the gate, and she's like, oh, my goodness, it's Peter. And she goes and runs back and tells everyone, hey, Peter's at the door. And they're like, no, Peter's not at the door. Peter's in prison. And she's like, no, seriously, he's here right now at the door. And they're like, no, it can't be him. It must be an angel. And so eventually they open the door and there's Peter, right? And, and isn't that us, like when God answers those prayers for us? Like here we're praying and we're praying, we're praying and like, Lord, you know, help in this area or whatever it may be. And then we're just like, well, I mean, you know, it, it, I mean, this stuff happens to everybody. So it, maybe it was God, maybe it wasn't. I don't know, but I'm happy either way. But no, I mean, the Lord answered their prayer right then. As many people that could cram into that little house were praying and praying. I don't know if they were praying corporately. I don't know if they were all individual. Whatever it was, it doesn't say. But the reality is, is they were praying. The Holy Spirit moved and they answered immediately. So I think what I get from that is that sometimes God does that. Sometimes in our lives when we intercede for others, Don't be surprised if he answers immediately. And what a blessing that is. Even in spite of our unbelief, even in spite of our own lack of faith, even in spite of our own, you know, lack of even knowing how to pray, sometimes God will answer prayer in that way. God rewards those who seek him. The next story. And again, I want to say something that I may have said in the intro, but I don't think I did because, anyway. Intercession can often mean praying for things that may seem contrary to what we may think is best for the one we're praying for. I'm going to say that again. Intercession can often mean praying for things that we may seem contrary to what we may think is best for the one we're praying for. But when we are connected to the Holy Spirit, we will be interceding on their behalf. We will be praying God's will for them. And what I mean by that is that sometimes we pray and it's what we desire, not what the Spirit desires for them. So many of you probably know about two months ago my dad passed. And um, he went into the hospital for a fairly routine heart procedure. And... um, He was supposed to be out in two days. He actually did get out. He got out for about an hour, had a a mini stroke, got back in the hospital, and and then it just kind of went downhill from there for about two weeks. And I can remember the day he passed, I was at the head of his bed, and I was holding onto his shoulders, and I was praying. And I was crying out to the Lord to heal him. And I had it in my mind that this would be an awesome miracle, like, don't we do that, right? Like, hey, this would be a great miracle, Lord. I mean, you know, and I'm letting the Lord know that because I don't know if he knew that. But I knew that, you know? I mean, like, this is a miracle. And as I'm praying, the Holy Spirit nudged me. And I remember that from what Jesus said, not your will, but my will. And so it was the hardest thing that I had to do. I had to make a decision. I had to make a choice. Am I going to continue to pray my will for my dad? 
Or am I going to listen to the Holy Spirit and pray the Lord's will for my dad? And my prayer completely changed at that point. Rather than praying for another day or another week with my dad, I prayed for the Lord to relieve him of his misery. You see, my dad was in a lot of pain. He was going through what happens to all of us eventually. He was dying. And unbeknownst to many of the people that were working at the hospital, he was hours away from from passing. And so my prayer was that he would be at peace over these next several hours. I don't know why I knew that, but I knew he was going to pass. Even the people were coming in with new uh, pints or however they measure it of blood because they were going to do a blood transfusion. And I, I told them, because I was the only family member in there, I said, don't waste the blood. He's dying. And they said, no, it's our job. We need to do the, this blood transfusion. I said, don't waste it. And they said, how do you know he's dying? I said, he's dying. And so they, they backed off. It was the strangest thing. Finally, my sister got there, and um, it was like a play-by-play. I just felt like I was walking totally in the spirit, and I comforted my sister, and I said, he's going to die in the next few minutes. And he did, and it was the craziest thing. I, I, I don't want to go down that road too long, but yeah. So walking in the spirit changes how you relate to the situation. And so rather than praying for healing, I prayed for him to just pass peacefully, and, and that's what he did. So intercessory prayer, again, is not about what I want. It's not selfish prayer. It's not, this is how I think this situation should, should play out. 1 Timothy, back to 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 through 4, it says, First of all, then, I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for all people, for kings and all who are in high positions, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. This is good and it is pleasing in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all people to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. So Paul urges Timothy in these verses to pray for all people, to intercede and to be thankful. And he starts by telling him that above all, he should offer up prayers not only to fellow believers, but for all people. And he uses three different words. In here, he uses uh, supplications, prayers, intercessions. There's a lot of debate as to why he used three and if they were supposed to mean other things. And again, since I'm not doing expositional teaching, I don't have to talk about that. I can just say that Paul wants him to pray, right? You use three words in one sentence that mean the same thing pretty much. It means do that. And so as he's sharing that with Timothy, he's sharing that he prays for all people, for kings, people in high positions, and he Wants them for what? At the end there it says, to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. So as I read through those, I think, okay, so not only is my prayer for others um, to be God-centered, but it is also for them to come to the knowledge of the truth. And so what does that mean? That means that we want them to know the will of God, right? Or, or if they're not saved, we want them to become saved, 
And so as we pray, we think sometimes, you know, how do I pray for others? And so we'll go to the internet and we'll like search it, like how do I pray? And we'll read books or we'll look at blog posts and, or we'll go to YouTube and how to pray. And Paul made it really simple for Timothy. He says, he says pray with thanksgiving for all people, including kings and leaders, that they may have peace and that all men will be saved. So, like, if you need kind of a breakdown of how do you intercede for others, it's right there. It's right there. Be thankful, pray for everyone, and that they'll be saved. And so, that's a great start. So, if we want to know how to pray, there you have it. That's it. We could end right there. <laughs> so, James five thirteen through 16 says this. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. So James tells us in verse 16 to confess our sin to one another. I know for me that confessing sin or confessing a shortcoming is humbling. And so it's hard to do that. It's hard for us to go before a friend, a family member, a spouse, and say, hey man, I'm falling short here. And I need prayer. But James says that, that that's what we're to do. And it causes us to be vulnerable. It causes us to own and be responsible for our failures. But there's a blessing that comes from that. He says that you will be healed. When we go before the Lord in prayer, confessing our sins to one another, God will heal us. And I think sometimes we think of that as physical healing. Like, you know, I need, to, I need to have someone pray for my leg or I need to have someone pray for my headaches or, I ha you know, whatever the ailment, cancer. Uh, um, you know, and, and it does say that. But sometimes the healing is in our heart and in our mind. Sometimes it might be an emotional thing that needs healed. Sometimes it might be anger or, or bitterness or hostility. And the third story comes from my own life again, um, years ago, and I'll say years, I mean like way, way long ago, um, I was really struggling with uh, just this root of bitterness in my life. I'd gone through some things in my childhood and in my past that were just buried deep, and it caused an incredible bitter root. It, effect, it, effect, it affected every area of my life. It affected my marriage. It affected my um, work. It affected my attitude. I was one of those guys that had a sharp tongue because nobody was going to get the best of me. And so it was one of those things that if you had known me 20 years ago, you would see a completely different person than you see today. But I remember that the Lord healed me of that. And the way the Lord healed me of that was through the faithful, diligent prayer of a wife. And sometimes that's what it takes. Sometimes it takes years and years of faithful, 
diligent prayer before the Lord answers your prayer. But when he does, he comes full force. Because I can remember when it was identified, because I didn't even identify it. It was so far removed from my thinking that I didn't even identify that there was an issue. And when I did, it was just like a transformation. Now, it didn't all go away that night or that day. And that was a process too. But those faithful, diligent prayers, interceding, praying for others. I don't know how many of you have unsaved family members, but I'm sure in a group like this, we all do, every one of us. And I remember hearing a message, I think it was from Spurgeon or one of those old dead guys, and he, he was asked, you know, I've known you for 50 years, his friend said, and you have been praying for this person to be saved for the last 50 years. Why would you do that? He says, because God hasn't told me to stop yet. That's that long intercession that we do on behalf of someone else. They don't even know they need the prayer. They don't even know they need to be saved. But the Lord has laid that on your heart. Pray for this person and do it diligently. On Thursday nights, we meet uh, just a small group of us and uh, we're going through the book of Colossians. And as I was looking at that this last week, I was really thinking of these verses for tonight. And so Colossians chapter 1, uh, verses 9 through 14, there's three things I want to point out in these. And uh, so I'll read the verses and then we'll dive into that kind of quickly here. And so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sin." The first thing I see is that Paul never ceases to pray for them, he says. I never cease to pray for you. And he, he says that he prays that they are filled with the knowledge of, God, of God's will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. So in other words, he's saying that I don't stop praying that you will know the will of God in your life. Everything that you do Everything that you do at home, at church, in your families, at work, with your finances, whatever it is that you consider in your life, I want you to have the wisdom and knowledge of God. And the reason he says that is the second part. He says that you can walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, bearing good fruit, which is pleasing to Christ. So the reason that we know those things, right? The reason that we use our finances according to the will of God is so that we can walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. And so he, his prayer starts out with, this is what I want you to know, and this is what I want you to do. Because what good is it for us to have this knowledge if we're not going to do anything with it, right? If we know the will of God, but we aren't 
acting that out, if we aren't behaving, so to speak, within his will, then what's the point? And then the last thing that I wanted to highlight in that is he prays for strength, that they will be strengthened in all power with patience and endurance with joy. And so once again, there's a model. Are we having a struggle on how we pray for someone? Colossians 1, 9 through 14. We pray that they will be filled with knowledge of his will, that they will bear fruit in every good work, giving thanks to the Father, that they will walk faithfully in him. And so again, we, you know, the Bible is so clear on how we can pray for others. We don't need thousands and thousands of blog posts on how to pray. I mean, the Bible is really, really clear. I'm not saying those resources aren't good, but sometimes we just need to go right back to the Word. So as we close tonight, we're going to pray for one another, but I wanted to share something here. And intercessory prayer, I, I, I mean, Kevin knows, Ryan knows, he probably had to butcher his message too. Um, we could be up here for two hours going over all the verses and all the models and all of the things that could be said about intercessory prayer. And one thing that I, I actually just kind of sidestepped until the end um, was that Jesus says to us that we need to um, pray for our enemies. And that's not easy. It's not easy to pray for our enemies. And so is um, intercessory prayer praying for our enemies as well? Um, I think that it is. When we intercede only for our brothers and our sisters in the Lord, what good is that? If we intercede only for our family, what good is that? When we need to intercede for, I think what it said up there originally was all people, kings and those in authority, those in leadership. Jesus says, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. And the reason I bring this up is because God wants us to intercede for those government officials that we disagree with. He wants us to intercede for not just our church friends, but for relatives and other people we may know that we have conflict with. He wants us to intercede for the neighbor down the street who's a nuisance. We might be that neighbor. Hopefully someone's praying for us. He wants us to pray for the school board members who are introducing things into the school system that we disagree with. It's one thing to yell and scream and shout and get all upset and post negative things on social media. It's another to go into a quiet place and pray for these people. Pray for your enemies. Love those who are hard to love. When people say, oh, I just don't have anything to pray for, sometimes I think, man, there's a lot to pray for. You know, there's people all over the country, all over the world who are serving the Lord who are being persecuted. Pray for them. There's young women right now thinking about how to end a pregnancy. Pray for them. There's school boards right now that are introducing things into our culture that are just insane. Pray for them. There's government officials that... Anyway, no, I won't say that. There's government officials... 
who don't even know their president. Pray for him. I will say that. <laughs> but no, honestly, we, we have so much we can pray for. And that's what we're going to do tonight before we close. We're going to pray for one another. And one of the things that I really appreciate about Ryan is that he has given us the freedom to do this Wednesday night service however we feel led to do it. And Ryan, I thank you for that because it's not cookie cutter. It's just however you feel the spirit leading at the end, we can pray. And since tonight is about intercession and praying for one another, I want us to do that. But I, I want us to do it corporately. And so um, if you have a burden that you want prayer for, I'm going to ask that you share that. And it doesn't have to be gory details, just within a sentence or so. Just share what that burden is. And then I'm going to ask that some of you pray out loud while others pray quietly for that. Because I believe that God answers prayer. I've seen it in my own life. I've seen him answer it instantly, like with Peter. I've seen him answer it over years and years and years of praying, and I've seen him answer it by changing how I pray. Thanks for listening to this week's study. If you're ever in the Portland area, we would love to have you visit us for one of our services. For more information about our church, you can visit our website at ccseportland.com. We hope you'll join us next week as we continue in our study together.